0: Welcome to the next episode of It Depends. Today we are here to talk about code review. I'm Daniel Pritchett, and to my right we have Jesse Brown. Hey again. David Mo Mohandro. Hello. And Brian Langford. Good to be here. All right, Mo. Uh, I know we've talked about code review a good bit lately. Uh, we do it almost every day, yeah? And uh, you had a quick list before we got started about related topics we've covered, and just quick recap, and we're not going to go too deep, too deep on those again.
1: Yeah, so just some things that we have sort of talked about in the past. We've talked about linters. That's sort of more the automated side of things to review code for problems. And we talked quite a bit in code reviews during our imposter syndrome episode a few months back. And just sort of, when you do this, be nice to people because everyone has imposter syndrome. Uh, But So you've heard us talk about it a lot. We're going to dive deep a little bit more into code reviews themselves. Okay.
0: Sometimes I feel like a podcast imposter because I forget to mention our uh, social media info. For instance, on Twitter, we are at Clear Function with the hashtag it depends. So, uh, first on our outline, why review code? I'm going to ask Brian.
2: Well, that's an interesting question. I think uh, when I first started doing uh, development back, back, back in the olden days, um, <laughs> you know, we didn't. Uh, I don't think we did any kind of code review process at all back at the company I was with. Um, and of course, you know, uh, what tends to happen with that is if you have, uh, you know, I've always thought of it as if you have one person working on a bit of code that's going to go out to production, you're kind of responsible for that, right? And so if anything happens, it's sort of is on you to fix. And so it's it's good to have someone else sort of look over what you're doing. I think from another point of view, you might be staring at it. It's it's kind of like, even with debugging code sometimes, right? You get stuck on something and you can't You get tunnel vision. Yeah, you do. Mm-hmm. And you get stuck and you just need, if you just had that person to come and just maybe look at it a different way, you get unstuck. Um, mm-hmm. I think code review could work that way. So uh, I think, uh, you know, if anything, it, it, it makes you, um, It unblocks you and it makes your code better and um, hopefully prevents, uh, you know, you getting midnight phone calls that things are broken. Yeah, a little little
3: shared responsibility um, as well as just, you know, like you said, you don't want to be the only one who's called at midnight. Um, Ideally, hopefully the the guys who helped review your code can can help out and uh, gain a little domain knowledge on what you were building, even if they weren't directly involved in any of the decision making that... um, that led to that feature. Yeah,
1: I've been at uh, some places where it was actually dictated. Uh, My first job wasn't called code review. It was called third-party test Mm -hmm. or third-party review. Something like that. We actually had a form that you had to print out. (laughs) You had to walk over to the printer down the hall, take it back, and it actually listed, you had to write on it the files (laughs) that uh, you changed. Mm -hmm. And then you had to have someone physically sign it And then uh, our manager then had to sign it afterwards. Um, So I guess my first experience out of college was sort of like, this is what we do. Uh, They did come up with a digital version later, so you could actually just check a box, Mm -hmm. which we were so excited about at the time. But, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, other places uh, I've been, there's, you know, maybe the security policy actually dictates that there has to be code review before something. Right, especially
3: true in, like, PCI environments and... And other places with sensitive data, you know, PII info right. of any sort, you know. Um, you right. want to make sure that you're following those standards so that you pass your audit. And so part of those audits is generally that someone else needs to, you know, no one has the keys to the kingdom without being reviewed by someone else, you know. Um, right.
1: You, we've all seen office space, right? Yes. yes. <laughs> We're trying to protect all those, you know, percentages of sense that go through. Mm-hmm. That's That that, that would have caught that, right? Yeah. Probably. Right. Probably. Sure. but.
0: I'd like to play devil's advocate for a second. Uh, Whenever I talk about unit testing, I always hear people ask like, where am I going to find the time to do this? Or how am I going to convince the customers to pay for it? So can anybody uh, advocate for code review in that? Like, let's say "Oh, I'm going to have five hours of man hours in a meeting here reviewing code that's already Mm -hmm. written. So what do you tell somebody who doesn't like the idea?
3: Yeah. I mean, uh, I think, part of it is just making sure that you don't break what's there. Mm-hmm. Um, convincing them that, yeah, it works today, but when you ask for another feature and something else, you know, do you for one thing, do you actually, does it do what it said, you know, for test as far as like, does it actually do what they told you it it does? Um, yeah. that, that's part of it. For code reviews, yeah, I guess it's just, making sure that it's maintainable okay. uh, is it would be one argument but i don't know how good it would be it would depend on the person i'm arguing with i guess but uh but i find them pretty invaluable but i don't know if i have any great arguments mo
1: a big one for me is uh just to sort of avoid the bus problem mm-hmm. um at yeah. the very least you will have two people who have seen the code
3: so explain the bus problem the bus problem
1: one. uh i've heard it as the train problem too it's the you have someone who's driving to work, and they get hit by a bus. Or they're walking to work, they get hit by a bus. All of their knowledge is gone, and no one now knows how to manage the system. I, more commonly, it's maybe they love to go to a t- take another job or something mm-hmm. like that. But yeah. it is fun to sort of describe it as the bus problem. I think right? I even
3: messaged Mo late last night you working on a problem. Yeah. And I and I prefixed it with, like, in case I get hit by a bus, <laughs> here's what I figured out about the problem that we were right. fighting yesterday. And so yeah. Uh, so, yeah very common I, I
1: also really like it when someone comes and says hey this is great but there's a better way to do this so there's a whole lot of benefit for knowledge transfer yeah um yeah. just in terms of
3: and that's mostly for the coder though right, that's right. Mm-hmm. What, what do we have any more advantages for the business that's you know hiring these developers to mm. to pump out code
0: yeah like why don't they just do it right the first time <laughs> right. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> right yeah and that's... there's not and even if, if Let's that's say they have a huge right suite of unit tests. <laughs> yeah. They they could prove that they're doing it right and still not have code reviews, right? right? So, yeah, what's what's a big advantage of code reviews? Let's say you have 99% test coverage, but you don't have any code reviews. Like, mm. what you know, my arguments are mostly from a coder standpoint because that's sort of where I am in the day-to-day. Right. Like you said, like knowledge gaps, um, learning new things, a consistency across the uh, application and, like, how it's coded and how we... You know, how things are named and all that sort of stuff just to make sense from a co- code standpoint. But from the business side, um, the arguments are probably less obvious to me.
1: I guess knowledge transfer, correctness, uh, having multiple people look at it, right. uh, team ownership, yeah. um, <clears throat> audit trail if that is necessary, uh, businesses like audit trails a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah.
2: I like the correctness idea. Uh, I, I sort of think that they, the value might be for a business is that, um, after a code review, usually things are figured out, like or found out that maybe we didn't realize like my assumptions might've been wrong the entire right. time, but because I had somebody come behind me and kind of look at what I've done. You know, they might point out an assumption that's wrong, just like, Mm -hmm. oh, that is not what the business asked for. We need it to work more like this. Oh, you know, and catch that early on rather than not catching it, for instance, and getting out there and it's just obviously wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, So there could be some value as far as just like making sure I met the requirements that I was sort of asked to do. Do Does that make sense? Yeah, so uh,
3: if you use sort of a – yeah, that's almost like a pull request approval sort of flow, right? Like getting the product owner or someone to approve – Approve it, but maybe they're not looking. That's at the a good code. point. Yeah, um, I guess
2: it is more product owner, uh, product it's owner like a flow kind of thing, thing right?
3: right? Yeah, just an approval process sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It does give you a place for that sort of sort of thing.
1: Um, I think I've also used it before, just early in the process, mm-hmm. so that you know, I I don't wait till I'm done. De- depending on how big of the how big the change I'm working on or mm-hmm. the feature is, I want someone to start looking at what I'm doing early, so mm-hmm. that I can change direction sooner. Uh, that way it's not like, you know, it, it's more of an agile approach to code reviews where or you get the same benefits with pair programming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. But, hey, tell me if I'm going the right direction here. It's not maybe formalized. I'll still have someone actually sign off on it, check it, that they mm-hmm. reviewed it when it gets merged. But I also a lot of, often want someone to just tell me, hey, just validate that what I'm doing is even makes sense. Because right. I do get stuck in the tunnel vision problems.
3: Yeah, I think most of the benefit is probably from the developer side of things, specifically from a project lead developer for for that particular project. you know, making sure it's almost like a management tool as well, right? Like if I've got a bunch of people and some of them are junior, some of them mm-hmm. are senior, um, you know having that as a process that everyone goes through um, it, it gives you that opportunity for discussion about the code and, right. and improving the product the code for the product. You know, as a just as a as a normal thing, instead of it mm-hmm. just being like, oh yeah, I'm looking at you know so and so's code because he's the junior programmer and he's the only one I pick on because he, I know he's new, you know, um, instead of like the senior guy just committing straight to master, right? Right, um, right. So going through that process, I think, uh, makes makes it more natural for everyone involved or whatever. And I mm-hmm. think I think it makes a better product overall. I yeah, past the like developer management layer though, I'm not sure how to advocate. Yeah, but I think it's fine. Anyway. And
2: I think you brought up a good point about you know i think if you're if you're going to do code reviews everyone should have buy-in in the code review right like mm-hmm. we shouldn't shouldn't have a senior developer going right to master yeah, and yeah. he's code reviewing everyone else you know what mm-hmm. i mean yeah. it should be there, all kind of of that. does that make sense yeah, yeah just yeah. having buy-in and
1: uh, you know it is a good question though i don't think steven cares as much you know from his side on the you know product project and product management yeah it's more just an artifact of how we work right, right. now. Right. So so how do you go about code reviews? Ah.
3: Yeah, well, do we want to talk about how how to create a pull? I mean, how to create a code review? Like how to yeah, I guess like
1: there's there's no one way to do it. Yeah. We have one way to do it. Like I said earlier, I used to use paper. Um, <laughs> a lot of the ways that we do it today sort of assume uh, source control. So, our source control of choice right now is GitHub, and they just sort of build it into pull new request. project. Yep. It's, it's called a pull request. Yeah. And uh, from source control's perspective, you create a branch, and the pull request is what merges it in. So, you can see all of the changes that happened over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then they have, you know, means of commenting on it. Yep, reviewers,
3: just, approvers. What, the last month yeah, or two yeah, added the review process. Yeah, yeah it used to be yeah. sort of informal, right, um, but mm-hmm. now it's more formal even on GitHub.
2: That was kind of recent, right? They, yep. they yeah. They added mm-hmm. that?
3: Yes. Okay. Yeah, and like Mo was saying, there used to be Paper. There's GitHub, which is very popular. Obviously, uh, <coughs> Atlassian suite of products have the same sort of uh, – they have Crucible, right? Is that what they call that?
2: I, I haven't heard of that atlassian
3: I, that uh, I could not be sure. wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure it's called – or Fisheye or something. There's something that's like a uh, – I don't know. Maybe, maybe I should I just start throwing that out term products I have heard that term, Fisheye. don't remember. <laughs> yeah. But there's a I'm few different sure. like code analysis tools or code, uh, code review tools that mm-hmm. are uh, – that are sort of team-centric, almost enterprise sort of level. Mm -hmm. And then you've also got sort of the old homegrown one that, like, the Linux core uses. Uh, What's the name of that one,
0: Daniel? The Linux people?
1: Yeah, I know they They email their patches, but it's all – It used to be on –
0: I know at Google with Golang they used Garrett as a more advanced tool, but I have no idea what the kernel's using. Oh, okay. They still email patches, actually.
1: That's why Git has the email capabilities that it does is – that's right, right. that's right. That's right. They actually
3: just use the straight Git email like mm-hmm. functionality, yeah.
1: which is why they're very interested in the format of their Git messages, commit yeah. messages. But, for, yeah.
0: for big open source projects, you'll hear people talking about the commit bit, which is basically on the team of people with accounts to manage the main repo. You are the person who has the authority to merge code into master, assuming it's passed code review. Mm-hmm. So that's not handed out lightly.
3: So what makes a uh, what makes a good when is, when is code ready for code review? I know you talked about getting early
0: feedback. I, I really, when really is like it that too point early. Because one thing that happens to me, Mo mentioned, or one of you mentioned tunnel vision. Did, oh, yes. Mm-hmm. It depends. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, tunnel vision. Um, just because I can build something that works and makes sense to me doesn't mean that the rest of the team's going to accept it. So, that's a really good reason to get some early feedback. Maybe my idea is better when you're all wrong, but if I'm one of the ten people who has to maintain it, then it might not be defensible to do it the one true way that everyone else hates.
1: Yep. <laughs> do y'all ever pull the code down and actually you know, navigate through it? Or us- do you usually leave it on the you know just view it through the web tools or yeah do you just what, what is your practice or? i know yeah. to I'd, some degree it depends right but
0: <laughs> as a reviewer i prefer to push that load away from myself where possible one i want continuous integration give me smoke tests yeah. and unit tests yep. to prove that it works if there are major ui changes i like to attach a screenshot yeah, yeah, I agree. That agreed. helps a lot to give somebody, especially if you're just changing templates, they don't really know, but you'll show them, this is what we yeah. have, this is what we have now. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite uh, former coworkers had a, a very rigid process for writing up his pull requests. I imagine it's what Mo's uh, mainframe code change printouts <laughs> look like. But he'd say, he had three sections like, this is what's going on, this is what it looked like before, this is what it's going to look like now, and this is how you can test it. And he would do that every time. I could see one of his pull requests from out the way, and it, I appreciated that. Yeah.
3: I think GitLab has templates for that, yeah. um, if I'm not mistaken, and maybe GitHub now. I'm not sure. I know they talked about it at one hmm. point when people were talking about GitHub's not coding fast enough. It was one of the features that they mentioned that they would like to work on, which is templates to make it, it to make it more consistent, right. to bring that piece of paper back to the web.
2: So I've got a question. Um, should we talk about squashing? Versus, oh man, uh, as far as code that's, review goes, is it easier? To, I don't know if that's I don't think to relevant, be, to yeah, That's really. a whole
3: nother episode. We should have a source control episode, <laughs> right? And we should talk yeah. about the merits of uh, some of those things. Yeah, I uh, guess I
2: was looking at more. For, does it make it any easier as far as reviewing goes for so anybody? I don't know. I, I mean, guess so.
0: When you look at a GitHub pull request, you could see maybe there's 50 different commits that all add up to a relatively small change. If someone's just been pushing things around and trying to see how it feels. Mm -hmm. I tend to not read the individual commits. Some people write really flowery, long-form commit messages for every commit and expect Mm -hmm. it to be read linearly like a novel. I will skip over to the show me changes tab, and I think I see Jesse doing this too, Yeah, where you can have a side-by-side view, file-by-file. This is what was there before, and this is what we're Mm going to have. Right. And that's how I choose to look at it. Although that approach
3: yeah I flip back and forth quite a yeah. bit, but if we're talking about github you know the uh, you have to flip back to the commits often to figure out the intent of the code yeah. um, because like you said, if you're doing something in a way that I'm less familiar with right it doesn't mean it's wrong, but I, I do need it to know if it's wrong. I have mm-hmm. to know what you are going after you know like yeah. what's the point point? and that kind of goes back to you know when you when you start a code review, Obviously, you need to know what the goal of this code is in right. general, mm-hmm. and then more specifically, if you do have a bunch of commits, it is helpful sometimes to have, you know, the novelish sort of idea of this commit, this commit, this commit, so that if I'm like, what, what is this piece of code doing? And then if your commit message says it does X, then I'll be like, does it? <laughs> and then go <laughs> back and look and be like, right. it does not, or it does, and uh, you know, at least at least have an idea of where it's supposed to be going. Because when you look at like twenty files at a time, um, you don't always have. The intent of every uh, every piece of code change there, and so, do you guys try of,
2: to describe in your summary? I guess part of the part of the pull request. Do you try to describe that process? You know, process as far as review goes uh, for the person reviewing, or do you just kind of keep it short? Or I try to
0: give hints because you know. I'm somewhat emotionally invested in the success of the PR. <laughs> right. And speaking somewhat. of emotions, it can really be tough for me if I'm on a, a deep story that's taking me a week or two to get done. I will often, once I finally feel like I've landed the plane per se, I'll often find that there's extra bits in there that it wound up not using, like whole methods that Mm -hmm. I wrote and discarded in the process of the design. And fear review really helps me with that. Like, this is a thing. I'm proud of it. It works, but it does have some rough edges that don't need Mm -hmm. to be checked in. So that Mm -hmm. helps me. Right.
3: This kind of goes back to do you compile it? Do you pull it down? Um, Before we go off of that too much, I'm like you. A lot of times I don't. I sort of leave that up to the unit test, integration test, and screenshots to do that for me. Mm-hmm. But I will say I've been bitten a number of times. Um, sp- usually, when someone's messing with like they're bringing in npm for the mm-hmm. first time, mm-hmm. where like everything looks good, looks like it should work, but then like you forget that oh your build server is not gonna gonna right. not gonna work with this right. or you're looking you know, at me. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm just looking at Brian, just because like, uh, <laughs> he had a rather large pull request <laughs> recently, um, and it was mostly CSS. And so I will be the first to admit, I don't look at CSS at all. Like, I don't, like for the most part, especially if it came in, like, obviously the first time someone brings in like Bootstrap and you've got like, you know, 2,000 lines of less, like I'm not going to look at it, right? It's vendor stuff, whatever. I might take a look at some of the overrides in some other file that you've Hmm. messed with. Mm -hmm. But even then, you'll be hard pressed for me to see any comments on less files unless it's, uh, unless the whole pull request was about changing a color. Right, like that's right. the only time I might be like, "This color sucks," like, yeah, right. but, but that's the that's the most you're gonna get I out of it. I hate me. this color. Yeah, like that's this is, and it probably won't even get that. I won't even I won't even take the like hash and yeah. like or whatever the hex code and go see what it is. It's <laughs> right. just, I Another, probably wouldn't even
0: do it. You mentioned build changes could sneak past you if you mm. don't pull it down. Another place that happens to me pretty frequently is if I'm reviewing. Template changes, like in a Rails app, you mm. can pretty easily throw in calls to non-existent variables or things that assume that this chain mm-hmm. of four nested calls is actually going to work. And there's just not enough exception handling and forethought. And those tend to be the times where I approved something because it looks good, and then it comes through later and it doesn't actually work. It blows up in production an hour later. Yep. So I've had. had a, should run that more often.
1: The the I was re- somewhere reached out to me over email uh, to fill out a survey. It seems like there's a lot of like academic research Mm -hmm. in the code review space to try to improve it because you know at the moment a lot of it especially even on pull requests it's very textual and there's not a whole lot of ways to know like when we make changes we're not changing a single file Mm -hmm. typically right Right. we're changing a method that takes in a new parameter which means that everyone that calls it has to change it right Uh, you're returning data so you're changing two places and I just found it interesting that uh, some of the questions in it were even just around the order of the files. Mm-hmm. And it was talking about how does the grouping of these two files are related. So they should be grouped together in the mm-hmm. code review. so that you can see them next to each other. Right. Instead of having, you know, like uh, we'll say CSS changes in the middle of, you right. know, a uh, schema change mm-hmm. right. and the code that calls it. If those things aren't together and you're scrolling through 20 files, Right, you may have already, you know, it's it's slipped your mind. You're yep. digging in on, you mm-hmm. know, some ERB changes, and yeah, like, yeah, the, yeah, this looks good. And then you forgot. Right, wait a second. Yeah. Would
2: well, then would you instead maybe look at the commits at that point, so it kind of the commits would sort of group together like you know similar files that you're working with. For it depends because sometimes maybe?
3: people squash their commits before they push them up right. to a pull request as well. Right, <laughs> right, and. uh but, yeah, the order matters. I think most tools just generally try to do it alphabetically based on the full path. So right, at least yeah. you get sort of the project-level yeah. organization next to each other. Like, you yeah, know, absolutely. it doesn't just skip folder to folder. Like, it at least keeps the files that are next mm-hmm. to each other next to each other in the diffing right, process. Yeah. And and that is super useful. I think um, I think it's great that there's some research going on in the academic space around this. Because one thing that I've always found... Uh, one of the more important things for me to code review is to make sure that like abstractions aren't leaking where they where they aren't mm-hmm, supposed mm-hmm. to, and that can sometimes be as simple as you know we've got uh, this this internal gem and we don't want it to we don't want it to touch the the app that's hosting it for instance oh, yeah. right? right and like those things like the tools the tools not catching it mm-hmm. the file names aren't catching it catching it it's just sort of a domain knowledge like uh, mm-hmm. but if I could see a tree yeah of like you know, like objects that this thing touches, you know, because mm-hmm. you can generate those like graphs all, from certain types of languages, right? And, and get an object graph of like who depends on who, dependency yeah, graphs, right. and, and stuff like that. I think oh, if pull requests had that, I think so. It would be super useful, mm-hmm. like, um, you I've know, seen, for me. I, and that's where I haven't used any of these
1: other tools. There are some more formalized code review tools, like uh, Daniel mentioned Garrett, um, yeah. G E R R I T. Uh, there are some where you can do things like, Go to definition from the viewer right. so that yeah. it's almost like pulling it down into a development environment where you can navigate it. Yeah, uh, GitHub gives you some of that, but you sort of have to – Leave the context you're in, and you rely on
0: your
3: browser history to some yeah. degree. Yeah. Like I'd
0: yeah. open another tab on the side. Exactly. and I'd Find them myself. Yeah. I almost yeah, so I, yeah, I almost want. Yeah. Almost want to assume this. Those. Yeah. Sorry.
3: Sorry. I was. Saying, I almost want to generate those files as a part of like the yeah, code review yeah. process. Like right. I wanted to just run through a dependency graph and just have those right next to it. I mean, I guess mm-hmm. you could as a part of your commit, mm-hmm. constantly update these like <laughs> documents. Yeah, build these artifacts yeah. of like your, you know, uh, of what actually changed. But uh, I, I'd prefer a tool to do it.
0: Uh, I, I, I love most suggestion of a more deliberate ordering for files to be reviewed. One thing I'll do with the pull request is I'll often call out a specific piece that's interesting. Like if I'm mm. working on a huge feature in Rails, there's probably some sort of standalone class or module that does the thing, and mm. then 50 different tweaks where I touch this template and that model and that yeah. piece of CSS, and that's all that all has to work. But if the core of it isn't properly structured there's no point so i want people to look there first yeah i do I want like
3: the core like the the module yeah. and the test to be next to each other like mm-hmm. that's that's right. usually that's another it's usually yeah. way far apart in most like yeah. repo organizations right mm-hmm. you've got the source tree and the test tree and mm-hmm. so like generally yeah. speaking all your source is so far away from the test that um that I mean, it's in kind some of ways hard to get your coverage idea. you
1: know from from this for the same reason that someone would do test-driven development or behavior-driven development Seeing the test first, even so you can see usage, you know, that
0: that does help. If someone, especially if someone's built a feature that I haven't been paying attention to, I will occasionally read the test before I even look at the code. Like, what exactly am I reviewing here?
1: Sometimes, as the author of code, I will, for example, in a pull request, leave a comment Mm -hmm. to sort of, here's something in particular I want you to look at. Mm -hmm. Because if I wrote it, I also know, like, maybe this is the part that I'm less confident in, you know, it's just like. I you, there's really gotta be want another someone way. to look at this. Yeah. You know, I still want you to look at everything else too. But it's mm-hmm. just like, just help me. Or maybe you know, since some of the tooling doesn't provide as much, like mm-hmm. you can even sort of describe some of
0: that. But yeah, I mean, it would be nice to have some.
3: How good of a code reviewer would you rate yourself, Daniel? <laughs> so, for me, it,
0: it's very emotional. Again, I've noticed one thing lately is uh, I tend to rubber stamp things. One, if it's The farther it is from my core interest and competency, the less likely I am to give it a legitimate review. Mm. I I prefer back-end software. So if it's all templates in CSS, I'll read it, and I might notice if there's a poorly named class or something. But beyond that, I'm not likely to think too hard about it compared to other people. But what I've noticed I've been doing is I'm almost rubber-stamping certain people's stuff because I know them and trust them, and maybe I don't (laughs) think what they're doing is high-risk. And then it gets sent back half an hour later when Jesse reviews it, because, (laughs) excuse me, I don't mean to call you out here, but I think Jesse's probably the most (laughs) serious about his responsibility as a code reviewer of all of us. Like He will go through and look through line by line, and he'll point out things, and I'm almost always glad to see it when Jesse finds something (laughs) that needs to be redone, but it's really an odd feeling when I rubber stamp something, and then Jesse finds three legitimate things that need to be working there. Like, Oh,
1: man. I think that... I don't even know how to rank because there's I think w- different personalities look for different things.
0: Right.
3: Yeah. That's um, a good point. I was going to ask about multi reviewers. That's kind of what I was going to go yeah. into next is like having multiple multiple reviewers is an interesting thing because like you said you do get the benefits of different mm-hmm. people look for different things. You know, mm-hmm. you've got the UI guy who mostly looks at UI and he's going to be like your markup is terrible please do this to fix it. Yeah. Yeah. And then you've got Daniel who's like, this class doesn't make any sense. Please break it up into like three more classes. Mm-hmm. And then you've got, uh, but the problem is you get into like bike shedding. Right. Where like, you've just got, you've got five people telling this one guy mm-hmm. how to write these three lines of code. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: We at did the that end of somewhere day. this morning. I think
2: yeah. the other issue is like, I, I, I'm almost afraid to put more than one person on the review because um, I, I sort of feel like, you know, between those two people they might just punt to each other and like okay i'll let him look at it and like it just never gets done you know it's not that it never gets done but it's just it just seems like that it could yeah it uh, can get lost it's sort
3: of the whole reason like you're supposed to point to someone and say call the police instead of just being like call the police and like the whole group
2: maybe a good idea might be to have (laughs) (laughs) hey you (laughs) yeah
1: Call nine one one.
3: I mean, it's legit, right? I forget right. what they call it. I don't know the
0: yeah. name. Well, we'll of it. We'll do that but, in a comment, like at Jesse. Yeah, look Absolutely. at this line and Absolutely. tell me what you think. Not every yeah. time, but occasionally, sure. right? I, I mean,
2: one good idea might be to um, just um, you know shift the person that you that's reviewing. You know, just to get different pers- perspectives. Like, yeah, we'll use Jesse as an well, example. For, or for more Mo, mission
1: critical so. things, I will ask for more people, just for more eyes on it. Yeah, yeah. that's a good uh, point. Yeah. And yeah. we've done that,
0: you know, often. Yeah.
1: Uh, Daniel, you were going to share a story uh, from oh, yeah. just today.
0: Yes. So this, I had a comment that kind of leads into that. Is I think different people will approach code review with a different philosophy. Like I, I'm going to speak for Jesse again because <laughs> uh, he's he's tied up in the corner over there. Um, <laughs> I get the impression that for Jesse, preserving the the code and the sanctity of the product itself is maybe higher importance than it is for me. I tend to approach it. A code review as a learning and sharing and communicating experience with other people. So I might think, well, this could be done better, but it's not the end of the world if I let it through. And maybe I can have a a sidebar discussion with someone about how I would have done it and we could have a nice back and forth. Yeah. Whereas I think Jesse is more likely to say, I see what you're doing here and it technically works and it's not appropriate for this product. So let's redo it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess I wouldn't say I look through things through the product. As as much, but it's just, I guess I, I look for more maintainability. Yeah, um, like that's usually my number one thing. Is does this make sense to me as someone who did not write this code? Yeah, and whether that, you know, sometimes that some of those are more personal decisions. Obviously, I hope. I, you know, I try not to make a point of being like too crazy about the things I ask. I'm not asking for like to rename every variable or anything like that. Generally sure. speaking, but you know, it's like the the normal stuff of like, yeah, if we break this out and make this test somewhere else, that would be you know, it'd be a lot easier to change, you know, things like that. And like you said, it doesn't really, it takes a couple minutes. I usually look, I usually sort of have a bar internally of like, is it going to take them like two hours to fix this? Mm -hmm. Or is it going to take them like 10 minutes? And like, and that balance that with the severity of like, okay, if we don't do it and the worst happens, what, you know, um, you know, what, yeah, just balance it with that basically.
0: So I think maybe something I do occasionally think about is will mojin this, make our overall code quality and maintainability go slightly up or slightly down. And I think yeah. maybe that's kind of what Jesse's thinking too. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: that's fair. All but right, yeah. so the yeah.
0: story this morning, uh, we're working on a big new project internally, so a lot of us are spending less time doing Rails stuff. We've got some Rails help on some uh, products going on, and we had a, a hot spot in one of our applications that boiled down to a couple of lines of active record. That's the object... Relation manager yeah the orm in rails that lets you not have to write SQL unless it's absolutely necessary (laughs) and uh so i think ben was reviewing it and the there's a contractor looking at it and he found some problems and he definitely profiled it made it a lot better and ben had me look it over and i saw something that didn't quite sit right with me like one of my favorite optimization methods have been taken out instead of added in i thought i've never seen that before it's usually the other way around and so Mm -hmm. i wound up bringing jesse in and the three of us all debated it for a good 20 minutes while sending the poor other guy in another state messages back and forth on slack (laughs) like have you tried it like this have you tried it like that eventually we realized what we were doing and wound up doing more testing and benchmarking internally yeah until we were all happy with what we were doing and we sent off like okay we think if we do it this way; it's good. Thank you. And yeah. in retrospect, I felt a little bit guilty because I know if I'd been on the other end of that, I would have been punching my wall about the 10th <laughs> time I got a minor tweak coming in through Slack. But yeah, so yeah, that, that's just the story. What? How do y'all feel about that?
3: Yeah, it's it's dangerous to uh, have too many people on a pull request for things like that if they're not like, you know, uh, especially as a new co- a new person to a team. Yeah. Do, your first code reviews are generally going to be pretty hard, um, I would think, for a lot of people. It was, yeah, um, it it's, just—it's just a natural mentality of like, you know, just to make sure that you meet up to the standards that you think you're holding everyone else to, kind of regardless of like how new they are. And uh, I think it's—I think it's natural to have that tension at first um, from from the. Uh, Contractors kind of first pull request, and so I think it was I think it was fine uh, yeah, I don't want to do it on everything we'll never get right. anything done if we bike shed on like a but one piece of sequel for was, like 20 minutes <laughs>
0: this feature was or this bug was sort of a hot spot that had already yeah. taken up a lot of the team's time figuring out so it was appropriate to slow down and think about making sure we'd done it as well as we could right for any reason right but I still felt bad for the guy
1: I think there is though you know uh, Daniel you mentioned you know you sometimes trust people around you so mm-hmm. you don't look as much because mm-hmm. you sort of have a pretty good feeling about how someone's not that you won't look but right. you're not going to you know okay let's look at this line just in real detail here mm-hmm. it's like okay yeah it looks right
0: yeah for instance if brian submits something related to bootstrap i'm yeah. certain he's thought about it more than i ever will so <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna read it and make sure <laughs> it builds right, and then move right. on
1: yeah but you know for someone you haven't worked with there is that okay I just you don't even know them and mm-hmm. it's n- n- nothing personal but you're right there's still you know we, we said we weren't going to talk about it but there's the you know don't take it personal and also you know yeah go easy well that that type of interaction
0: figuring out how to discuss the work artifacts and not necessarily make everything personal that's not just about code review or anything right. I mean that's our job, all day, every day. Absolutely, we, we communicate. Yeah. We have to get along and respect each other.
3: I'm going to put Daniel on the spot here. You talked about like uh, trusting your coworkers and sort of rubber stamping. Do you do you ever just put pull request in uh, against uh, someone who you think's just going to approve it without looking? <laughs> I've definitely
0: thought about that before and I will say I mentioned earlier several times that I get emotional about pull requests so if I've been hunting a crazy bug and I'm feeling like uh, Captain Ahab here and I'm just going to ram it through into production and let's say Jesse's in a meeting I might go around the room and ask like hey are you busy, are you busy, are you busy, can you review this I want to push to production right now and if, you know, if I get somebody in the room who's a- not going to give me a hard time who will give me the technical rubber stamp <laughs> It's tempting, yeah. Yeah. You know, I've...
1: Not here, not in the last even two years, uh, but I have in the past uh, gone to some people for uh, code reviews. What's funny, though, is I've actually done the opposite. Right. I have sent, uh, you know... I've asked code reviews from people who I know will look at something. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Yeah,
3: I see that all the time. Like you're saying, you at me sometimes be like, hey, I want you to look at this, and I know... uh, uh, you know other people in the office sometimes that on uh, seemingly things i have no knowledge of they'll, they'll bring me in i'm like oh i yeah. guess i guess they want me to look at it for some reason you know
2: well it's kind of funny cuz that you know we were talking about rating ourselves as how good we are at mm-hmm. reviewers i sort of feel like i'm the worst reviewer because <laughs> um i feel like you guys are really great at looking looking at code and mm-hmm. quickly figuring out what's going on i tend to be a little slow on that end of things yeah. and so if i ever find something in a review I feel like I've like saved the world, you know, <laughs> like, like, Oh man, I can just go home now. I'm so yeah. proud of myself. You know, I found something, but it, it's just, it just seems rare for me. I don't know. So just, that like, is something we haven't talked a lot about trait, but.
1: yet. Um, And we probably don't have much time, but it's interesting. Reading code versus writing code. Mm-hmm, right. yeah. What percentage of the day would you say you spend reading versus right. writing? Oh, and uh, I know of course that, you know, 65% of all percentages are made up on the spot. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, <laughs> right. you know, is it more um, a majority or, you know, what do you think? I think, mm-hmm. I, I
2: think I probably do more writing than reading it, I guess. maybe, yeah. And that's maybe why it's, it's kind of not a strong point for me to just look at something quickly and go, oh, I know exactly what's yeah, going I'm on. Yeah, I'm probably
3: you know. closer to 50-50 with being pulled in on most code reviews these days. Um, and... Ca- Kind of what Mo was saying earlier, like the uh, people have their different strengths of code reviews. And Brian, you said you're sort of weak at just looking at the code and just sort of understanding what it is without sort of digging in deep. Where I, I sort of almost have a compiler just in my head. Like I can usually tell. Like, like Daniel's (laughs) always amazed. Like in Ruby, (laughs) he'll put a pull request in, and then he's like, and I'm like, this method's not being used. He's like, he's like, no way. And then, and then (laughs) then he's like, and he goes, look, he's like, it's not being used, and I I didn't even compile it, right? You know, it's just, it's just a a thing that i've just grown accustomed yeah. to i've read enough code that like i sort of i guess know to look for the signs of like this doesn't look like this could possibly work and then mm-hmm. just sort of backtrack and be like oh yeah it's not being when used, this method yeah. has a bad
0: name and it doesn't do what it says it does <laughs> yeah. i bet no one ever used it yeah, yeah. and, and that, so it's yeah. just yeah that's As one a of those 2 pull requests where yeah i just left in a vestigial method yeah
1: i do i will say that sometimes because of that if we can then turn around and prove to jesse that it does or something like that yeah yeah It is sort of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: Just to be honest.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm like, this is totally wrong. And they're like, it's right. I'm like, (laughs) oh, Yeah, we do get a little healthy uh, back and forth in our (laughs) Poet Quest sometimes. Yeah.
0: It is kind of fun to challenge people in in good fun. Yeah, definitely. So I found Brian to be extremely agreeable. And that may kind of lead to what you were saying about Poet Quest is I would be most surprised to have Brian, you know, thumbs down, Pull requests. Brian's usually yeah. over there yeah. getting his work done, being super productive and friendly, and not causing much trouble. <laughs> I think
3: I need to pull metrics on like how many. Like if someone just keeps sending their pull request to Brian, then I, <laughs> right. Then right. I need to like yeah I'm take them off the approval happen. list.
2: Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. right. Nice. Yeah, it's funny because I mean even just the other day, like Mo, I think Mo sent this was a couple of weeks back. He sent me a pull request and I uh, was reviewing it and I was like. I think I understand what's going on here, but this looks good. You know, like right. that's good to me. And then I found something, and I was like, "Oh man, I, I can't believe was. I found something!" You know? nice. <laughs> like, and it was something that was like, you like know, an actual. Bug it was actually bugs. I was like, "Hey."
0: So to respect your question there, I do read a lot more code than I write, and I will say that I write a lot more code than I submit. I tend to approach <laughs> yeah. it sort of like a pottery yeah. process. Yeah. I'm yeah. just, yeah. I'll shape it until it sort of works, and then Jesse will find the part that I should have thrown away that didn't become a part of the (laughs) key solution. So
1: that actually just triggered something. So I've heard multiple people have different – there's lots of
0: analogies for writing software. Right. Right. Yeah, the pottery
3: um, I thought was interesting. Yeah. What, is that what he said? Pottery?
0: Yeah. yeah. Like I feel like I'm spinning i have, yeah, I'm yeah. shaping some clay and well, spinning it so, and reshaping it. You know,
3: the
1: common one is engineering and mm-hmm. architecture, right? Like you're building a building, you're mm-hmm. building a bridge. Mine and there's always a lot of math analogies. Mine has always been like writing a book or a paper. Mm-hmm. And so you have a lot of like drafts that you throw away. Right. Mm-hmm. You have in in that respect, I guess I sort of view code reviews as an Editorial process Mm -hmm. on top of it to sort of make sure, but from the manageability, maintainability, manageability of it, it's like: does it read well? Can someone follow the logic and the thought process? Is there a not a story, but you know what I mean? That's that's always been the analogy that I have thought for myself. I know you were talking
3: about getting early feedback earlier, sort Mm -hmm. of relates to your thing here, like. That's actually like the number one thing I try not to do is look at pull requests (laughs) too early because I don't want to see your early revisions. Like it's just you don't want to be spoiled on the end of the story. I only want to see the final product. Like you know, I just I don't like reviewing it in the middle. I know a lot of people will be like, "Hey, can you review this?" Like I'll review the piece. I'll try to get them to be like, which method do you want me to look at? Yeah, right, because like right. if they just send me a code That's request true. of fifty files, and then like <laughs> I come back two days later and it's like fifty files, but like half of them are completely different, like mm-hmm. that that isn't really helpful yeah, for me. Yeah, you know, like yeah. if 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 my comments weren't the driving change for those, right? Yeah, um, if they're just yeah anyway i I try to avoid
0: that that level of detachment really helps i mean that's why i do occasionally put in pull requests with code that doesn't need to be there it's (laughs) because i'm I'm in too deep you know yep yeah i'm completely lost perspective even if i did sort of get to the finish line i need a little help to go back and clean up the mess yeah Could you
3: imagine coming back to that code where that method's still there like six months from now you're (laughs) like you're like man i gotta fix this method and then you finally go find to find the call sites and you're Mm -hmm. like oh there's nothing here and you're like oh yeah, that's <laughs> one thing I like about the
0: Studio d- and Mishraper and whatnot. You can get quick feedback on things that aren't used. We but. talked
3: about how much fun
1: it is to delete stuff. hmm Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, I think mm-hmm. that's about all the time we have. Uh, make sure to hit us up at Clear Function on Twitter, hashtag It Depends, hmm And uh, we'll see you guys next time.
1: You've been listening to It Depends, a podcast by Clear Function. Clear Function is a group of happy
2: engineers based in Memphis, Tennessee. We partner with visionaries to bring their ideas to life. For more information, check out our website at clearfunction.com.